It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Man, I'm so, I'm so hyped right now. Anything's possible. Oh, my mama. Oh, my mama made it, man. Anything's possible. Rainy days, jump shot, fade away. It's the best Celtics podcast day to day. I get excited about it every night about it. A real C's fan wouldn't want to live their life without it. Banner 18 in the making, we got to make it. Best squad in the East and still we can't get complacent. Most winning franchise, so the history's ancient. You could tell them other guys to go and plan a vacation. Yeah, Corrales Packard and J. King Locked on, trying to get the 18th ring The most in-depth coverage that you ever gonna hear Well-respected in a city like Russell's career It's Raining J. Millie's everyone welcome back to the locked on celtics with the rain and jays today it's me your boy jay king from the athletic here with sam jam packard the great formerly of wei if it seems like it's been a while since i've hosted this podcast that's because it has i'll be trying to shake off some of the rust as you could probably tell by my sup which jam appreciated a little bit Well, I'm going to be a zero help to you tonight, Jay, because uh, I did not watch the game. So you're, it, it's really, you're going to have to lead in this first segment here because uh, I didn't see a second of it. I got in the car. I was heading to a men's league basketball playoff. I got in the car. I turned on the radio, and the Celtics were down 18. And then after the game, uh, I got in the car, and the Celtics had just gone up 10. Uh, what the hell happened? I'm seeing uh, multiple players with 17 points, including R.J. Hunter. Uh, and Semi Ojale is it's just seemed like an absolute insane game. Uh, explain to me, in a nutshell, uh, what this game was. The first quarter was basically Bradley Beal just lighting up bros, and then that was when the Warriors, well, the with the Warriors, the Wizards, who were playing like the Warriors, were ahead by 21 points early in the first quarter. Bradley Beal stopped playing after 16 minutes. And yeah, basically, as soon, as soon as he recorded enough rebounds to average 25, 5, and 5 for the entire season. And then Thomas Sadoransky had a nice little run for the Wizards after that. But that was about the last sign of life they showed. And it was RJ Hunter, PJ Dozier, and Shemi Ojale show down the, the Red Claws. And Wanamick, Brad Wanamick. So you missed some. Some serious, serious two-way player minutes. You miss some, some Wanamaker solid basketball plays. You miss Terry and Jalen at the beginning just firing shots. like <laughs> Just absolutely chucking. Terry did say before the game he was going to chuck. How many ill-advised? He was uh, 8 of 15. Yeah, no, he, he, had a, he had a good game. He played well. Um, he certainly was not shy. Terry Rozier was not, and the the first the first five minutes were just Terry and Jalen, just looking so happy to be unshackled, and and firing at will. Jalen, how many people? Why do people dress for this game? 
Because they, they needed someone to be in uniform. It's kind of wild that they signed uh, Jonathan Gibson and then just didn't play him at all. And Brad talked about how he's a bucket getter. Well, he is a bucket collector. That man gets buckets. When you can choose the number 60 because you scored 60 in back-to-back games in China, that's when you're a professional bucket. <laughs> but why, why would they just reward a member of the Red Claws? It feels like a weird signing. Because, because Jonathan Gibson is, I think Chad Finn tweeted this, he's their Andre Owens. Is that the guy's name from the Lakers? No, uh, it's Andre Ingram. Andre Ingram. Andre Ingram. Yeah, he's their Andre Ingram. Like, he's not even in their organization, but for whatever reason, Jonathan Gibson just gets signed <laughs> to play the last. That's his role. Yeah. And so he probably won't play it all this season. He They signed literally the last regular season game. There's probably zero chance that he plays in any of the postseason games. So he is going to be around for weeks, the playoff months, run. Maybe he's just a like long... great personality. Maybe he's just like the ultimate glue guy. Yeah. Yeah, who knows? But Jonathan Gibson will be around for a while. <laughs> How the hell did R.J. Hunter score 17 points after just not being in the NBA whatsoever and kind of struggling with the Red Claws? Well, he hit four threes. That's helpful. It's a good that's start. That's 12 of the points. Kind of what he does. One of those was a bank job, which was cool. Intentional or unintentional? That was certainly unintentional. That was a, a key one. Um, he also had some nice passes reading the floor. Man, it was a plus 28 in 26 minutes. You know who else was a crazy good plus minus? Uh, the Time Lord, plus 17, only two points, only three uh, field goal attempts, uh, but 11 boards. Guess how those two points came? Uh, via lob dunk. <laughs> via mid-range jumper. What? <laughs> yeah, it was, it was a face-up mid-range jumper over the top of his defender. Like, he just went, to, he just looked to score. Like, he just caught the ball at the elbow and was just like, I'm going to do this myself. He put on the Carmelo Anthony jab series and went to work. <laughs> he, he threw a jab step? I missed a time lord jab no, no, step? No, it, it, it wasn't really a jab step. It was, he just kind of <laughs> rose up. <laughs> but he, he later tried another one that did not go as successfully. Um, I, I'm not sure it was an air ball, but if it wasn't an air ball, it was one of those that barely – scrape the rim we had but he was he was out there hustling he was he was tipping offensive rebounds just i also tyson, see he tyson fouled out offensive rebounds left and right yeah he had four fouls in the first half i think that was probably the most expected development of the night is, is it because he was jumping so much he does do jumping. a lot of jumping he certainly does a lot of jumping um any cool blocks? I see his three but like any, any yeah one of spikes? one of them one of them he smacked out to like the half court logo, which was cool. He uh, he tends to fly. PJ Dozier had the dunk <laughs> of the night. Ooh, the you mean the, the jam? Which which jam of the game? Yes, the jam. Which which jam of the game? Ooh, well done. And then I called him PJ Wozier, and Ooh, caught some heat on Pito caught some heat sticks. on Twitter for that. No, Weak that's pun. that's that's tame compared to a Forsbergian thing. Yeah, see, I, I was going in Forsberg's lane, though, so I deserve the heat. Oh, so you say you should stay in someone's lane, you say? Now you're talking about JetBlue flight crew. What was the other oh, one? Oh, okay, yeah, we, we got we to gotta hash this out. <laughs> because you came at me because I was coming in your lane when I critiqued the JetBlue flight crew. And then the JetBlue flight crew 
performed again at halftime, you were nowhere to be found. If you're now, not going to be a critic, true. then someone needs to step up and, and fill that. But your, but your horrendous critique, uh, your insulting critique came before I made the mistake of going to get some fudge stripe cookies instead of staying at halftime. So before, like when you initially made the tweet, you, you missed, I, you missed I, the I most important the flight, flight crew development of the last five years. Hand Lucky up. returning from injury to hammer home a flip dunk. Hand up. But prior to that, who was the beat reporter for the JBFC? Who had the, re- the receipts? Who knew about all these things? I didn't know Lucky was going to do a su- surprise performance at halftime. It's absurd. He never does that. Yeah, well, you got you got run, man. That was, that was just weak. You know what? I just... Uh, I, I go in at halftime, I get the snacks. They got an excellent spread. You, you're a professional writer. You just sit there and look at the internet for 15 minutes. I just remembered that I forgot to set up this podcast and share the topics we're going to discuss. Ooh, that's that's uh, a true shame. So after this segment, we're going to go to two other segments. <laughs> one, of them will be a, <laughs> one of them will be on Marcus Smart and Jason Tatum injury news, which sounded pretty promising. And the other one will be about Magic Johnson deciding to step down as the president of basketball operations for the Lakers in a stunning, stunning move. So let's go to break now. After break, back to Smart and Tatum. NFL teams making bold final moves before the start of the season. From our local experts to your ears, these are the biggest stories on the Locked On Podcast Network. The Tennessee Titans have announced a one-year deal with linebacker Jadavion Clowney, reportedly worth $15 million. Tyler Rowland of Locked On Titans tells you if it's going to be enough to get Tennessee back to the AFC title game. In other moves around the league, the Miami Dolphins named Ryan Fitzpatrick starting quarterback, which means Tua will be back up for the time being. And the Detroit Lions have agreed to a one-year deal with running back Adrian Peterson. Peterson was released by the Washington football team last Friday. For more NFL news and analysis, subscribe to the new Peacock and Williamson NFL show and listen to a brand new lineup on Locked On NFL. They'll have division previews every day this week. Local experts on the biggest stories. It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. You're up to date on your favorite team, but what about the competition? Hollinger and Nate Duncan are evaluating every bubble contender on Hollinger and Duncan. Rejecting the screen goes behind the scenes with in-depth interviews and the Locked On NBA podcast is recapping games daily. Let the Locked On NBA network of podcasts take care of your NBA bubble scouting reports. Hollinger and Duncan, rejecting the screen, the Locked On NBA podcast. Subscribe to the best trio of NBA podcasts on the planet wherever you get your podcasts. All right. That was a, so, grace, that was a graceful exit. And a great, it would have been a graceful return, except you just chimed in, man. It still could be. We'll make it natural. No, no. We've already started. <laughs> we have already started. This is recording right now. And it's, that, that was a tough hit for the kid. The kid, I was really steering this podcast the way I wanted it to, to go. I apologize for stepping in lane. I'm, uh, I'll, I see the floor to the kid. <laughs> anyway, Marcus Martin, Jason Tatum, promising news on both those fronts. Tatum 
Doesn't sound like that'll be a big deal at all. Sounded like he was going to do some on-court work back in Boston today. He had a bruised shin. Doesn't sound too serious. Looks like he is probably trending. I would guess. This is a total guess. I was not in Washington. I did not hear the comments. Um, but looks like he, if he was on the court today, I'd, I'd, I'd expect that by the time the playoff series starts, he'll probably be okay to go. Marcus Smart seems like a little bit of a more of an issue, but Brad Stevens said it doesn't seem like a long-term thing. That's great news considering how he went down in kind of collapsed on the court after. Yeah. It, without contact just fell down. That was the ugly part. He had called out of the game and then ran down the court and just fell down. Like, Jason have we Tatum, discussed saw... how stupid that was? Oh, that they put, put him, him back, back in the, on game? the court. Um, was... I mean, what you ask him if he's going to be okay. And he says, he's okay. Like, what do you, what else are you supposed to do? You, you, Here's what you do. You're basically locked into the four seed. You already sealed home court advantage because the Pacers lost before tip-off even started. It's a totally meaningless game. You know Marcus Smart would never, ever admit that he's feeling pain. That's he was in obvious point. pain. He was in he was obvious pain. Around on the ground even, even when he was talking to the training staff, he was like, lifting his arm over his head and like you could you could see that he just wasn't 100 percent right there was no need to put him back out there on the court especially knowing the type of guy he is who would try to play through anything no matter what and i don't think i'm sure it probably didn't aggravate the issue but there was just no need to put him back out there on the court as soon as he got a little bit of pain just pull him out sit him down and then the other thing tatum uh, I don't know what it was. Brad didn't even know Tatum was hurting going into the game. Brad has Yeah, that's kind of wild, too. I that's... watched the whole Tatum workout, and he just, like, looked fine. And so I don't know, like, what the communication structure is or who was supposed to did Tatum tell someone who didn't tell Brad, but it's the fact that he didn't know is kind of wild. And I agree with you. Uh, in the circumstances, they probably should have taken Smart out, but I don't want to step in front of Smart and say, like, have him come in the game. I know Brad Stevens should absolutely do that, uh, but it just, at, when you look at the replay and how much in pain Smart was in to begin the play, like before the timeout, uh, there's really no winning from that. Uh, but the Tatum communication thing is also weird because you think Brad should know these things. Yeah, well, earlier this season, Tatum had, uh, what was it, a wrist issue? Um, and he didn't tell anyone about it. And it went a couple games before he told anyone about it. This thing... Brad at least didn't know that Tatum had a bruised shin and the after months not months after a couple weeks probably of saying that if anyone had Nick's bruises whatever Brad was determined to sit them out and get them healthy that happened in game 81 just kind of a ludicrous development uh, I would say but seems like seems like both players are progressing and it's not a serious deal so Celtics seem like they may have dodged a bullet there I don't think here's a here's a question okay say they were both hurt or both like limited which do you think has a bigger impact on the Celtics like chances of winning in the first round like um who who do the Celtics need more smart or Tatum right now in round one uh I think Tatum in round one. 
because I, I think he's a matchup issue for the Pacers, whether it's Bogdanovich, who would probably guard him. It seems like for whatever reason, he's just always given Bogdanovich the business. And Smart, like, yes, Smart is the best defender on the Celtics, at least on the perimeter. But the Pacers don't really have anyone they need to stick him on, if that makes sense. What are you talking about? According to Brad Stevens, Darren Collison is the difference between a very close game and a 20-point game. Uh, yeah, well, that's that's maybe the <laughs> truth or maybe just something a coach says when he's about to face a team in a playoff series. So, I'm, I don't know. I, I think Smart has had, to me, the more impactful season, but Tatum in the matchup is tough for Indiana to handle, I think, if that makes sense. It makes sense. Logically, I just feel like Smart's the uh, heart of the team, and Jason Tatum has been very, I guess, pedestrian for Jason Tatum, although he's been, I'm looking back at his box scores, he's done a a decent scoring, but I feel like he's less important uh, to this team right now because I think Kyrie uh, Kyrie and Al, we've been talking about it all year, I think they're going to be the most important players. And then I really think it's Hayward is the next guy you need to kind of step up and score. And then I think Marcus Smart's intensity and his defense and just the kind of intangible cliche bullshit about him being the heart of the team. Uh, I don't know. I just think it's more important to the the defense. Um, and then especially playing like an Indiana team with the great Thad Young, who's just a ultimate playmaker and a gritty guy. I think you need to match their energy. And right now I just, I would be less concerned about Tatum. When did you become the biggest Thad Young stan who ever lived? Uh, yeah, I did it because of, like, NBA 2K. I'd do fantasy drafts. And, like, <laughs> Thad Young was always, like, a guy, oh, like a high 70s low pick with great development. Uh, you could pick him and put him on your bench, and he would go from a 78, probably, like, an 85. Um, but he was he was an excellent draft pick in fantasy drafts, and, uh, and I've been a Thad Young fan ever since. So what, what, what year of 2K was this? Like young 2K days? Probably like 2K12 or like 2K13. Okay. Uh, we mean, I would just, I would spend a whole summer just like redrafting fantasy drafts and then like simming 40 years of a league. It was, it was uh, not my most productive summer, but uh, it was a good one. I feel like everybody's got their own video game player that is just the most random player that they like to use. Who's the go to guy? So in high school, we used to play a lot of 2K. Uh, it might have even been live back then, NBA Live. I think it was NBA Live. And one of my buddies <laughs> always have Quint, used Quentin Richardson. And my buddy was like the greatest live player of all time. And he would have like <laughs> 80, 80 points per game with Quentin Richardson just, just because he wanted to. I, I don't know why he decided Quentin Richardson. But my guy, this is a weird one. I was in uh, – I used to play – I used to love NCAA – I don't. I forget what year it was, but it was a year when uh, Travis Diener was at Marquette. <laughs> <And> I, <laughs> that is a name. I used to run the 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 one two one one press, full court press, and I in would, video game. Oh yeah, oh yeah. In, <laughs> in NCAA, you could run the full court press, and so I would do that, and I would just average like double digit steals with Travis Diener, and <laughs> I, I averaged. I used to play every single game, no simulations. And I played a whole season. I would play seasons, not just one whole season, but I would average like close to 100 points with Travis Diener. It was, 
it was incredible. Probably that was probably my greatest game ever. That or uh, NHL 06, where I I used to dangle fools when I was in, <laughs> in high school. <laughs> Travis Diener, that's imp- I, I'm just com- like impressed by your commitment to running press, like uh, while playing video games. That's high intensity. I love that. You just you were glued to that freaking PlayStation. Yeah, I, I, I mean, I was I was a menace in that game, and then uh, fight night one year, I was unbeatable. I used I used to like play the most defensive style, and no one could touch me. <laughs> I was just just a legend. But now I stink at video games. That growing old sucks. That's that's I would say the toughest part of growing old is that I don't have time to play video games anymore. And so when I, on the rare occasions I do play video games, I just get absolutely fucking waxed. Yeah, no, it's a it's a young man's sport. It's not for us baby boomers. Yeah. Also deciding that he's not cut out for the sport anymore <laughs> was Magic Johnson with the Lakers. Stunning press conference. We'll get to it after the break. I, I've got a one. question. How impressed were you by the way I, I threw to break? <laughs> I, I was very impressed. <laughs> so, so Magic Johnson, probably the most stunning press conference in years in the NBA, just decides after the last game of the season, I think it was the last game of the season for the Lakers, that he's done. No, it's and before had, the game, which is is wild. Before the game, even better. He hasn't told Jeannie Buss about it, the, the team owner, who he called his sister repeatedly throughout his press conference, which went uh, about an hour. <laughs> he was just riffing, man. He was just the, out there. The way it was described was just like he just like called an impromptu press conference. Like you can imagine uh, in the tunnel there in Staples and like uh, Luke Walton talks and they're just like some people hanging out. And he was just like, here, gather around and let me tell you like what's going on. And there's just a step down and not tell his boss. And like basically he just like went on a like a long list of just talking about like how many players he wants to compliment now that he, and he won't get in trouble for tampering. Like that was just one of his major talking points. It was just absolutely an insane move, and um, it's just like it's so terrible, of LeBron, to uh, to do this to him. You know, it's just like what what more can LeBron take from the Lakers? It. <laughs> I'm just immediately blaming LeBron, and Matt. I have no idea what the context is, but like, I mean, that's what you're gonna do because that's what LeBron's the biggest star, and he needs to get some of the blame for this. This press conference. I assume you've seen the movie Blue Chips. Oh, yes. So it's, Pete, it's the exact speech. Magic Johnson was Pete Bell. Pete, Pete Bell stepped up, and he's like, two words I never thought I'd say. I quit. And just kind of went wild <laughs> and started talking about happy and how the game was corrupted and how he, he couldn't just pay players anymore. And Magic Johnson, the game was just corrupted for him, man. <laughs> He, he he did not like that he couldn't tweet about players, and he did not like that he couldn't meet with players. He he's big on tampering, and he 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 said he a, wanted to be an ambassador of the game. He just wanted to schmooze, man. He didn't want to be a T like have to do stuff. Do you see how how Woj came for him? Woj Woj went at his neck. <laughs> Woj went right at his neck. It's like he has never really uh, tried really hard at this job. Um, he saw LeBron like a day ago, didn't tell anyone about it. And he's basically just a, he's not cut out to be a GM, which apparently he's not, man. He just wants to, he just wants to hang out and like play golf. 
probably not play golf. He has probably, I have no idea if he plays golf, but he just wants to do a bunch of Magic Johnson things. just like hang out with players and uh, talk basketball. I do think the more serious side to this is that when you're in professional sports and when you face as much backlash as somebody in charge of the Lakers would face this season, it's tough. It's really tough. Like Magic Johnson, basically his whole career has been like the darling of L.A. And this is probably the first time in his life he's ever faced real criticism. And like, like just the backlash, constant backlash about putting together a team with no shooters and squandering LeBron James's first year in L.A. See, see, it is LeBron's fault. LeBron came and brought a bunch of undue burden and undue pressure to Magic Johnson. He ruined Magic Johnson's joy by being a loser. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not convinced that's the truth, but but with LeBron does come a whole heap of burden and expectations, and Magic apparently was not ready for that. He, the Lakers, I mean, what a season they've had. They they don't go to the playoffs. LeBron gets hurt. They, Timmy Bontemps called it before the season. Yeah, my, my man Tim Bontemps. He did he did call it before the season, but I mean they had like stunningly open and failed trade communication with the New Orleans Pelicans about Anthony Davis before the deadline. They rapidly fell out of the playoff race when LeBron got hurt and then just never recovered when he came back. They there have been like Three stories, including a really good one by Bill Oram in The Athletic. You should read that and definitely subscribe to The Athletic. It's a great, great publication that only hires the greatest, greatest writers. Um, but, like, there have been multiple stories about just everything that went wrong. Did you read the, the Bill Oram story? I didn't happen to, but I saw so, there's a, a lengthy list of, uh, of bad things. So my favorite was... One thing that was mentioned was that players kind of were a little salty that LeBron didn't spend a lot of time around the team when he was injured, and that became an issue. And then there was a side-by-side -side comparison with Rondo, who, when he got injured, was doing, like, all these nice things. <laughs> and one thing he did was he showed up when the team airplane got back to L.A., he showed up with cookies that he had baked. Rajon Rondo home baked cookies. Rajon Rondo just baking cookies. Rajon Rondo the cookie man. He's the best teammate ever. Yeah, yeah. Any teammate that bakes me cookies is a hero in my eyes. I feel like anyone who plays with uh, Rondo ends up uh, liking him, and like they kind of have his back. That's a crazy that like LeBron just didn't show up whatsoever. Uh, see, it, it feels like it's all his fault. I don't know who else to blame. There's like, there feels like there's no one else to blame in the Lakers situation other than LeBron James. Maybe, okay. maybe Rob Palenka for not doing anything. Uh, but uh, he, he had, was facing all sorts of pressure because LeBron James was there. Oh, one other aspect of this. This probably goes in the junk drawer. When he oh, learned that that Magic Johnson, Johnson was stepping down. Evan Turner reportedly shouted in the players' tunnel, 
Let me get a ball signed by Magic before he dip. <laughs> He's still here. Let me get a ball signed by him. He's fantastic. He's a great. I miss Evan Turner. Evan Turner. He was one of the the best people i used to just go and hang out and stand next to evan turner's locker at pregame because he would always be out there he wouldn't be scared of the media like the rest, uh, the rest of the players and he would always say something ridiculous it was a good time best guy in the league he's he's fantastic i love that and then so one thing i was actually hearing on nbc sports boston they were debating this and i thought it was an interesting point they were saying that magic stepping down probably signals that he doesn't have much faith in what the team can accomplish this summer, whether signing a star or trading for Davis or making big moves to add alongside LeBron James. Because if you thought you were going to be able to make a move like that, you'd probably stick around and see, see it through. I mean, but we just talked about how he like hated the job and didn't like that. He couldn't, like talk to players and be himself and like kind of face scrutiny even like that could have no bearing at all like he could imagine that they're going to get anthony davis uh but still really like not like the position of being an nba general manager i don't see how they're necessarily connected like it, it like logically i think it, it it makes sense but i don't know it just it feels like if a guy doesn't like the job no matter how well he thinks he's going to do he could he would still like kind of step down yeah. I don't know. I, yeah. I don't see how you can prove it. You can't prove it. You can't prove it. We're just we're just yip yapping here, man. Speculating. Wild speculation. <laughs> I mean, you can have rampant speculation about how LeBron has ruined the Lakers, but as, as soon as it get, gets to whether Magic had any idea whether they could make a big move this summer, you go you go silent. You go shy on yeah, no, well, yeah, it makes sense to me. One is that they're both uh, open and shut cases. This <laughs> is just, just the way I see it. There you go. All right, we got one. I got one, one last topic for you. Ooh. Uh, it is two guys' final game tonight. We already seen Dirk Nowitzki cry uh, during his sendoff. Uh, the Dwayne Wade sendoff was uh, important enough that uh, Heat, fan, Heat fans actually showed up on time and uh, booed Derek Jeter when he was part of the, the Dwayne Wade video. Uh, who is your favorite uh, out of the two? Who do you prefer? No, I don't. You don't need to nice to go pit them against each other. But do you have a favorite Dwayne Wade moment or a favorite Dirk Nowitzki moment? Uh, or, or maybe it was the finals they played against each other. Let me think. Not really. I do. <laughs> Both their careers were overrated, and Jake Ink didn't care. One of my one of my biggest regrets that has nothing to do with myself, though, is that Steve Nash was allowed to leave the Mavericks. I would have loved to see Steve Nash in his prime with Dirk Nowitzki in his prime, just getting buckets. Those. The Mavs let go of, of Steve Nash way too early. And if I remember it correctly, it was so they could sign Eric Dampier. And they just didn't when, trust when, when you can Nash's pull in Eric Dampier, you got to do it. Yeah, like they used the money on Eric freaking Dampier. And I could be totally wrong. It might not have been Eric Dampier they used the, 
the money on. But in my head, no, it no was. No one's going to check that. Yeah, it's and, Eric Dampier. And that, that's just insane. One of the most insane things that they lost a guy who went on to win two MVPs and signed Eric Dampier with the money. Like, what? Well, wasn't the whole thing about were they doing? Phoenix? Phoenix is as like the guru training staff, and they're like they were the only one who could get Nash back to to full health. You hear so many stories about how, uh, like they're they were the yeah. The what best type of staff were they doing? Um, they brought Steve Nash back after the Mavericks <laughs> gave up on him. Dude. Do you think Dirk could have ran like the seven seconds or less, like super fast pass? Like I don't know. Am I? I can't tell if like I'm just questioning Dirk uh, because he's Dirk a, would have been perfect for that. He's an old white guy at this point, but the last time I saw Dirk, he was like hobbling up and down the court, so I, Dirk, I'm, I'm Dirk would have been the perfect, Dirk. the perfect guy for that. Are you kidding me? For the I'm spacing the and running and getting wide open shots early in the shot clock, if it's Steve, if it's Steve Nash and Dirk Nowitzki, I mean, that's that would have been the best offense in the history of basketball. See, when I think says, of Dirk, I think JK. of, like, much more of, like, a post-up player. Like, I knew he could extend, but, I, like, I think of his, like, shots off one foot and his fadeaways and things like that, less as, like, a run-and-gun guy. Yeah, well, he could do it all. The man <laughs> the man was one of the greatest shooters in NBA history. I mean, that's fair. And so he was one of the greatest shooters in NBA history, and Dwayne Wade stinks. He, and it was a bad guy. That's the way we see it. Magic Johnson is holding another press conference, by the way. What is he saying? A second press conference. Bill Oram says Magic is holding court once again. He says he has been told Jeannie Buss will not be attending the game tonight. <laughs> just multiple press conferences. He's just out there riffing, man. He really is. I I, I respect it. He's go- he went out with a bang. I'll tell you that much. He's still going out with a bang. He's still holding court. He went out with a real bang. Uh, so. One last thing, late late entry. John Corrales, our our good friend John, just tweeted a quote from Terry Rozier. I just haven't had that much fun. Last year I feel like was more fun to me, but it's not, not all about me, and I feel as a team, as a whole, we're going to have a great playoff push. I feel like we're more connected, more together than we were at the beginning of the season. What's crazy about that quote is that it's not eye-opening no it's the most honest quote and it's very transparent and we've we've all we've all known that guys haven't had that much fun but when guys this is the the celtics like who openly admits they haven't had fun but the celtics do but now they're connected brad uh promotes a a honest and transparent locker room where if you he always says like i'm glad they say in the press at least they're like putting their like names to their words I mean, that's the most obvious, like, if you could have asked me if Terry Rozier had more fun this season, uh, where he's, like, struggling to get a consistent role, at least in his, his terms, he's always been a guy who, like, plays better when he knows what minutes he's getting, and so his role is reduced, and uh, the team's been under a lot of scrutiny, and they've had a bunch of bad losses, of course he's not having fun, but there is a second part of that quote where he's like, feels like they're playing more connected, and it's absolutely just recency bias but it did feel like in the games both the miami game and the indiana game they've been playing better of late uh the magic game kind of uh was weird because smart got hurt and uh corporate didn't play down the court but it does feel like they're playing more uh connected so it's just terry rozier uh talking to our good friend john corrales and telling him what's good he was he's completely honest in his uh answering of that question facts all right 
That's that's all I got. You got anything else? I'm all out of things to say. Then then we'll wrap it up here. That was just a beautiful episode from two beautiful people, both inside and out. Thank you. That's it for this version of the Lockdown Celtics Podcast, part of the Lockdown Podcast. Rejecting the screen has been retweeted by Kobe, Dame Lillard, and Vince Carter. So it's fair to say you should give it a shot. I'm Noah Kozlov. And I'm Adam Stanko. Rejecting the screen hits your feed every Tuesday and Thursday. On Tuesday, we talk hoops and a little bit of life. On Thursday, we go ISO with a guest. Stories from anyone and everyone who has touched the NBA with tales we promise you've never heard before. Find Rejecting the Screen right now wherever you get podcasts and hit that subscribe button.